This is CliffCentral.com. It is the 28th of April today here on the Open Book. Uh, I'm just saying this because maybe where you are and where you're listening to it may not be the 28th since uh, this is also available on the podcast. So make sure that you get the Cliff Central app uh, to listen to all the other, the other podcasts that we've done here um, on the Open Book. Now, just yesterday, it was the 27th of April, and uh, we were celebrating Freedom Day here in South Africa. Now, uh, Freedom Day commemorates the day in 1994 when the very first democratic elections were held. I've got to say just uh, what a wonderful day it was, and some of you will remember the day as probably one of the most joyous days uh, that our beloved South Africa has ever seen. I mean, this is the day that literally changed the course of uh, of our destiny. And I've got to say for the better, I mean, Duncan, you've got to agree with me. Uh, if it wasn't for those elections, we probably wouldn't have been here right now. Um, absolutely, Loiso, absolutely. <laughs> and that's the absolute truth. Um, but then again, you know, some of you will probably disagree to a certain, you know, like to a certain point. And I can, I can kind of begin to understand because looking at the state of our country 22 years later, um, some will probably think that we probably need liberation now more than ever. Uh, it's as if the freedom that was offered to us isn't as real as uh, we expected it to be. But to you, my Christian friends, you know, so many times, so many times we, we look at the world, um, as, as Christians and we think that whatever affects the world affects us. But I think that if we look at the word, the absolute word of God, it says something different to who we are because we are, we may be in the world, but uh, we are not of the world. And with that, I'd like to remind you of a scripture when speaking about liberation and it's second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17, which says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, I firmly believe that hope and peace in our country only comes when the saints, and that is us, when we get down on our knees and we pray, inviting the Holy Spirit to dwell in our land. Because that is the only way where true liberation is going to come. Because, like the scripture said, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And another scripture I'd like to remind you of, or at least act like you are being reminded <laughs> that, you know, it wasn't like you knew it, um, which is Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. And from the Message Bible, it says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. You are free in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that. So we thank God, you know, for our freedom in this country. But I, be, I, I think we should even be more thankful um, for the freedom that we have in Christ. And on that note, uh, a warm welcome to the open book, a day after Freedom Day in, uh, in South Africa. Today, my guests are CC or, or rather Mam, Mamzanel Mbogazi, who is a preacher. She is an evangelist and she's also a businesswoman. She'll be chatting to us about the upcoming Trumpet Africa Music Awards, amongst other things, because we haven't chatted. Actually, it's the first time we're going to be chatting together um, on, on, you know, over the airwaves or on the net or I don't even know what it is right now. <laughs> but anyway, wherever. <laughs> and uh, we'll also be chatting to Pastor Tyrell Hag uh, from Heritage Baptist Church. Is that right? You're still there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You know Tyrell? Tyrell Hogg. Tyrell. Oh, is that how you say it? Well, Hogg is actually what I was emphasizing, but but whatever. Yeah, okay, cool. Anything that sounds like that. <laughs> you know, they go around and they plant churches all over, you know, like all over the country. And uh, that's why I wasn't sure where they were still at the same church. Because I actually spoke to you, I actually spoke to him on our very, very first show uh, right here on the Open Book. So it's really good to have him back. 
you know, he kind of set the tone for all the shows that followed after that. Um, so he'll be giving us some insight on, uh, on, a, uh, on our topic today, which is Bible literacy. That's what it is, Bible literacy. I believe that all of us need to know how to apply the Bible in our lives. It's probably the most important thing that a, you know, the most important thing that a Christian has to do, which is to know the Word of God. So stay with us, and we'll be back with you after this on The Open Book. And uh, once again, our theme is Bible literacy. Yeah, I just wanted interesting. Just while the song was playing, <laughs> we just started. Uh, we just started speaking about um, about the last topic that we did, which was on you know, like which was on pastors' kids, um, and and Tyrell Hag, not Hag. <laughs> I should prefer Hag because I think Hag sort of means something else. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Tyrell Hag was telling us that you know, like in some of the churches that um, that uh, b- 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 because you guys look after a certain amount of churches, right? Yeah, well, we're involved. We've got a network. You know, we're, we're involved with wherever the gospel is being preached. So you get exposed to, you get exposed to guys that are doing things differently. And, yeah. And you um, can't change that because it's their method. Yeah. Well, we, we can go to the scriptures, but I mean, it's, it actually comes down to a debate. Um, it's about pastor's kids. Yeah, yeah. 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 What is a, what does Titus say when, when Titus talks about the qualification for an elder? And he says that they have believing children. Mm. What does that mean? That they must have believing children, mm. right? Um, so every every Christian has to yeah. either handle that text or ignore it. And and so those are the kind of guys we are interacting with, guys that are handling that a bit in one way versus another way, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I mean, for us though, or for you, like, what does it mean to have believing believing children? Well, I'm, I'll go to another text in Timothy. That yeah. also, because when we, so if we're talking about Bible literacy, right, yes, yes, you yes. want to use scripture to interpret scripture. Absolutely. And, and so my, my current conviction, it means that the child, while they're under the, the, the head of the household, while they're in a, a house of their parents, yeah. they must have it, they must be characterized by a certain kind of morality. Um, so it doesn't mean that they're not going to sin. It doesn't mean, but are they completely rebellious? Um, because if that's the case, while they're under the authority of their parents, their parents are not able to manage the household, in which case they're disqualified from being a leader of a church. That's how it doesn't mean they're not a Christian. It okay. doesn't mean they're bad parents. It just means that in that setting, um, they should then step down in integrity. Um, but I don't think that it means that they must be have faith necessarily. And I don't think it means they're not going to mess up at times in their teen years and do things, but are they going to be restored? Are they going to come back on track? Or is it just this constant life of bringing the yeah. name of Christ into disrepute kind of thing? I mean, look, I can understand, you know, I can understand in terms of, in terms of you need to kind of leave everything else and go home and sort out your family. Um, because, because it may be because of your, of you not being present. In your house, that things are running amok. In the same way that I believe that, you know, if you're a pastor of a church, you should try, uh, you know, when the fame and everything start kicking in, you should try and be and be preaching at your church way more than you do um, at all the invites that you get. Yeah. But um, also, but also, you are the priest in your own home. 
So it all has to start at home. And mm. I believe that as, as a priest in your own home, um, you, you, the, the Bible says, I think it is in Proverbs, um, train up a child in a way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. So there is a level of responsibility that as a parent, you have to exercise to make sure that your children, they, they know the path that they have to follow. Yeah. Because your family has to come first. The family has to come first. I think that's so great, you know. What you're preaching out there needs to start at home. Mm, absolutely. I, I, yeah. But I mean, also some of the times you don't have much control over that rebellious child, no. especially if you have like six. Um, so <laughs> Even if it's one, children will always be children at the yeah, end of the day. But uh, but I guess, you know, like, like Tara was saying just during the break, that that's probably a subject matter for, for another time. You should probably bring pastors in and ask them, you know. Um, about, about how to raise up a child mm-hmm. in a way that they will not depart from it mm-hmm. once they get, once they get older. Cezanne, mm-hmm. so good to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's With good to us. be here. Um, loving the radio environment. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it's been, and it's been, um, I mean, just yesterday I got a message from you saying, so, so what time tomorrow? <laughs> and suddenly, you know, my heart just leaped. <laughs> With, uh, with gladness, because it's really, really is an honor. I know just how, you know, like just, uh, just how busy you are. Mm. Um, you, I mean, I, I see you in everything, you know. Um, not only are you an evangelist, uh, a counselor, you're a preacher as well, mm. but, um, you're also, uh, I mean, you're also a TV <laughs> host. Yeah, um, I'm an author. You've got new things. You're an author as mm. well. And, um, and, and I've seen so many of your books, you know, mm. sort of coming out. Just um, summarize it in two ways. But tell me, how do you fit, how do you fit all of this into, um, into your time? I think it's very simple. It's, 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 it's what you love doing. It's the passion. And if I have to summarize everything that I do, it's all about my pen and my voice. So everything mm. else fits around that. I write and I speak. And being a child of God, that comes first. So I write about that and I speak about that. So everything else that I do revolves around that. So it becomes very, very easy for me to, to define what I do. I speak and I write. Mm. And you have, um, you have a great passion for media. Absolutely. Um, I studied media. Yeah. And I've worked, um, as a, as a, as a, as a journalist in, in, in print, newspaper, uh, uh, environment. I've worked on radio. Obviously, I worked on TV. I still work on TV. Yeah. So because I remember seeing you, I remember seeing you on uh, on Gospel Gold back in those days. Absolutely. And just by the way, you look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a compliment? Haven't <laughs> changed a bit. I did Gospel Gold, um, I think, for seven years, and wow. and then subsequently a number of other TV programs that I've done on different TV stations. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, obviously when we see you on TV and especially the Crown Gospel Awards, which yes. we're going to speak about, um, uh, a little later on, it just seems like there is just no stopping this woman. She's just going from, from strength to strength. There's a new, um, there's a new awards. Yes. Um, coming that up. started, you know, coming up as well. But I'm sure in all of this though, you've, you must have had some hard times that we necessarily do not see on the screen. Um, how do you, I mean, like, how do you overcome the, the haters, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> including Satan himself <laughs> when all of this happens? Look, look, usually the haters are people who say it should have been me. You know, they don't actually hate you. They actually love what you're doing, but it, 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 reverse it. It's just that when they look at you and they look at what God is doing in your life, they stand and say, this should have been me. Why is it not happening to me? Um, but, but it, it has not been easy. It has not been uh, an easy journey, as you sang. And usually when people look at you, they look at the glories that they see in the public. They don't mm. see the battles that 
we fight behind the scenes. Um, look, I back, I think it's now 11 years ago when we started at the World Gospel Powerhouse. Um, it was a directive from God. It was not just a good idea. It was a God idea. Mm. And we knew that God was going to take us into places. And we started the Crown Gospel Music Awards. We wanted to influence the gospel music industry because we believed that worship, when we talk about the gospel music industry, um, we have to influence, um, the, the, that worship lifestyle. And we're glad that 10 years down the line, um, the Crown Gospel Music Awards are going strong. We're celebrating nine years this Is it year. Nine years this it's year. It's nine years yeah. this year. But, but we also knew from the beginning that we wanted to go into the continent and the diaspora. But we just thought that it was going to come from 2018. And mm. we thank God that we, it's happening this year and next month, the yes. very first Trumpet Africa Gospel Music Awards. It's been, it's been, it's been a bumpy ride. Um, we've had to travel around the continent. I've personally, I've been to 11 countries wow. just recently this past weekend. I came back on Saturday. I was in Zimbabwe. And meeting different gospel artists Obviously there's an element of trust But just back to to your question When we started, remember Gospel music, especially in South Africa Was not where it is today It was in the periphery A lot of people, um, it it was taken for granted You you will be called at the beginning of a festival And come, Rebecca, open the show And then once the gospel artist had, had, had performed Then the show will begin, you know, the yes, real show yeah. will it's begin. It's just to kind of get the people there, you know, it's like yes. the prayer before. Absolutely. Before Absolutely. the real thing starts. So there was so much, but also in terms of publicity, in terms of marketing, and also in terms of the mentality, how do we bridge the gap between the, 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 the gospel music and also the commercialization aspect? So there were all these issues that we had to deal with and also the business side of music. So we come a long way looking at where we are today and all these subgenres that we have, the diversity that that we find within the gospel music industry as the crown gospel music awards we can't fit it all there is just so much mm-hmm. so many different styles every day that crop up you've got gospel hip-hop you've got gospel poetry you've got gospel rap you've got my goodness it is it, it's not stopping every day there's something new that is coming up so it's been a challenging journey but we've had to learn to evolve mm-hmm. we have to learn to adjust and we have to learn to 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 make sure that we respect the craft and we take co- um, ideas and comments from literally everyone within the industry and people yeah. from outside. What I really liked about, uh, because I got the forms yes. for the Trumpet oh, okay. Africa Gospel <laughs> Music Awards. And, um, and on the form, it, it, it said, you know, it's, it's any music, if I can just try and remember, it's any music that, that is based in the word, that Absolutely. is based in the Bible, Absolutely. which is obviously what you're going to go into now Absolutely. with, um, with Tyro. Um, and, and my belief is just that, you know, the genre, because a lot of people feel if it sounds like, hey, na, 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 ah, gospel, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Um, the genre is not gospel music, but it's the message within the genre. It is absolutely, absolutely correct. We yeah. always say the question that we've been asking for the past 11 years as the World Gospel Powerhouse is, where is the, go- where is the gospel in gospel music? Yeah. So if you can answer that question for me, where is the gospel? Because you cannot just sing about him and you don't even know him. Yeah. So it, it has to be because what makes it different from hip hop and from Kwaito and from all other genres is that it is the gospel and the gospel is the good news and the good news is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So are you singing about Christ ultimately? So, so that is the question. So true. Well, which yeah. is probably one of the, uh, the reason why I went from 
from R&B to gospel. Mm. Um, and if we you listen, praise God for that. <laughs> if you listen to all my music, it's, it's, it's always been cleaned. But then people, you know, but but you can't always keep the word Jesus out of it. Yeah. You know, so now I'm going to just spread a message, but just a nice, clean message. Mm. You know, eventually we've, we've got to just and say you it as call it him is. the man above. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> eventually we've got to call it as, you know, like as it is. But I want to go back to the, you know, to the Crown Gospel Music Awards. You say it's been nine years. Absolutely. Since this has been out. Yes. Um, how, where did the concept, I mean, like, where did that concept come from? Look, I had been working in the gospel music industry for a very long time behind the scenes. Obviously, I was presenting, as you've mentioned, um, mm-hmm. Gospel Gold on television, but also I was working on radio doing a gospel show. And that gave me an opportunity to meet a lot of people, your producers, your your, your musicians themselves. There were good things that I, I, I saw, but there were also things that I didn't like myself. And for me, when we started, it was really to make a contribution. And the question that I've just posed now where is the gospel and gospel music? Those were some of the things that were burning uh, for me. But I also thought that if we have a platform where we encourage and we salute the gospel ministers, um, we will be able then for to influence the genre. Yeah. And 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 that is where really it came from. Because it we didn't start with the awards. We started with the workshops. We've got this mega conference that we have every year called Ezekiel, where the gospel musicians come together to 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 polish their craft mm. to. Talk Talk about the issues, but also to worship together. And you've also got those close uh, the door, and they worship together. And you've also got those as well who come to impart on the um, on the on the younger ones. Absolutely. Well, younger in terms of experience. Yes. Yes. Know? Absolutely. Which is absolutely so. great. We wanted that. We wanted that opportunity where you're always on stage ministering to others, but we need to make sure that at some point you sit down and you get to listen and to eat and to have people ministering to you, so yeah. that you can also grow. So. That was the passion. That is where it came from. The mm. awards become a cherry on top, but really it was to influence the, the industry from that point of view and bringing back the gospel into gospel music. Awesome. Now the Trumpet Africa Music Awards. Yes. Uh, they're going to be on the 29th of May at the State Theatre. Is that out already? Absolutely. It's going to be um, on the 29th of May at the Pretoria State Theatre. And for the very first time, you're going to see literally artists from all over the continent and the diaspora. I am so excited about That's this. That's so awesome. You've got your Sami Okponsos from, from, from Nigeria. Yeah. You've got, you've got your Uches. You've got your Sony Badu from Ghana. You've got, wow. you've got, um, Pahat from, from Kenya. You've got Togi from Zimbabwe. It's amazing. And obviously our theme song is the Holy Spirit must come down and, and Africa, Africa will be saved. Will be Say. That's the song that was just in my head right now. Yes. <laughs> when yes. you say that, but I really just think just such wonderful work that you all are doing. Thank you um, very much. And and which uh, so so for people who um, who want to be nominated for this, mm-hmm. um, are there specific people that you guys reached out to? Or could anyone just sort of bring their... It's a yes and no, because these are the first, obviously. And unlike the crowns, you can't say song of the year, but you have to open it up. You know, like the song, for example, I'm just using one category, that song that stands out for you in Africa. Then from next year, we'll all be be looking at a one-year calendar space. So, yeah. But if people want to participate, please go to our website, um, theafricangospel.com, theafricangospel.com. Otherwise, we are on all the social networks. Just go to my um, pages at Mbogazi Zanele on Twitter and Instagram. Otherwise, we will be able to give you all the information.
Awesome stuff. I'm so looking forward to those. Thank you. It's gonna be, You're I, I think be just there. being a, yeah, absolutely. Good. Just being an audience member is going to be, is going to be awesome. Oh, just by the way, there's also a, um, uh, what do you call it again? There's also a category for, for radio. So come on, Duncan. <laughs> Let's go for it. Our online radio. Come <laughs> on. Online Let's platform. Let's put the open book. Online absolutely. platform. So yes, absolutely. So, uh, so we'll definitely be there one way or the other. Um, yeah, just coming back to, to our topic and before we kind of get into it, uh, with Tyrell, Tyrell Hug, Pastor Tyrell Hug, and Cezanne is also going to probably be, uh, be joining us as well. I want to ask, I want to ask the, the following question, which is a simple question. When was the last time you read a book? Simple, you know, any book. Um, because for almost one in four of us, um, it was more than a year, a year ago that, uh, that we read just one book. And this is according to, to Pew Research which was done uh, in the States. So this, my friends, means that we actually have a literacy problem. Uh, what's more concerning to me is that uh, if we are not reading much of any book, we're probably not reading much of, um, of, of the good book, which is the Bible. And uh, the reason could be that this is, these are some of the reasons, right? Maybe we just don't actually really know where to start, or maybe we don't even know the history and the proven facts to believe that this is the word of God that has been given to us. So that's why, um, I invited, you know, Tyrell Hag, um, Hag, who's a pastor, um, uh, at Heritage Baptist Church in Johannesburg, North South Africa. He also has an honors degree from the Baptist Theological College of Southern Africa, and, um, he has also done coursework for masters in biblical counseling. Um, Taryn, good to have you, man. Yeah, and to actually see what you look like. Finally, because last yeah. time it was on the phone, right? It was. It yeah. was. And I asked some of these questions last time. Um, but obviously I think it will, it will just be nice to just sort of reiterate them, mm-hmm. you know, once again. So first question, and this is something that people usually argue with me about. Um, who wrote the Bible? Yeah. So we, we talk about two kinds of authors. So the Bible is written by plus minus 40 different authors. In three languages, in three different contexts, or rather three different continents, and from all different walks of life. So you've got different yeah. authors throughout the 66 books of the Bible. You've got kings, you've got shepherds, you've got priests, you've got um, civil workers, you've got fishermen, uh, you've got a doctor um, writing part of it. So all these different kind of people. New Testament is predominantly the apostles mm-hmm. or people who were specifically authorized by the apostles. So men who were sanctioned by the apostles to write. Um, and then the Old Testament would have been compiled by your prophets, it would have been Moses, Samuel. And then, you know, you've got your minor prophets as well, Malachi, uh, those guys. Yeah. So it's, those are the humans that wrote it. But but part of our, our Christian belief is that over and above that yeah. is the divine author. And so God is the author of what's been inscripturated, what you have in the Bible. So, you know, if Paul, for example, who wrote much of the New Testament, uh, his shopping list mm-hmm. um, is not God's word. It's not inspired if he had a first century shopping list. But the books that are included in what we call the canon, so the collection of the 66 books that make up the Bible, yeah. those that are included there – were given to Paul through his own language, through his own experience, but directly by God, so that every word that came out in the New Testament epistles was governed by God and wanted by God. So we we deal with this tension of a human author and a divine author when we're reading Scripture. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we know that? Because the Bible was written over how many years? Yeah, roughly 2,000, 3,000 years. Yeah, With no error. 
With no error. With yeah. no error in any way. I mean, how do we, how do we know that there's no human, you know, like no human error in it? Um, in other words, like what tests has the Bible gone through in order to gain its validity? So, you know, there's two ways to approach that because, yeah. you know, on the one hand, you could be asking, how do we know that what we've got now was what was written back then? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what most people say, you know, so like they'll be it, like, mm-hmm. they'll be like, yeah, but the thing is, you know, um, it's not written in, it's not written, you're not reading the, the actual Hebrew yeah, yeah. that was mm-hmm. written back then. So how do you know that it's even valid? So and maybe some question, things yeah. have been lost in translation as Ross, well. That's the word, mm-hmm. yeah, lost in translation. Exactly. So there's that side of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side of the question, which I want to nail down on what you're, what you're actually asking here is, how do we know that what Paul wrote down was God's word and what Samuel included as part of the canon is God's word. So, uh, you know, how do we know that what we have is not in error from, from, from the perspective of the original authors yeah. or from what's been passed down to us? Yeah, 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 yeah that is kind of right. Which one? Which one do you, cause, so firstly, we know yeah. that the Bible, um, what's recorded here is God's word because God revealed it. So, uh, first Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God breathed. So, um, the, the, the actual, the, the Greek is beautiful there. It's pasagrafe theophnestos, which means it's literally, it's the breath of God that's mm. gone out. And so now we'll apply testers. I'll say, well, if it's the breath of God, then we're going to find no contradictions despite there being different languages, different cultures, all coming together. They'll have one unifying theme and they're not going to contradict one another. And so the Bible stood that kind of scrutiny for centuries of not contradicting itself with people coming and saying, well, this is a contradiction or that, and then showing how, well, actually it's not these things harmonize. Yeah. Um, and then archaeological evidence, the Bible will make a claim. Um, so one of the famous one was the Hittites. Uh, for most of the 1900s, uh, Christians were under quite intense ridicule because there were no Hittite tribes, but the Bible records the existence of Hittites until eventually archaeology uncovered, oh, wait, we've just discovered this tribe of people called the Hittites. Uh, you know, so the Bible proves itself again and again. The Bible's got prophecies. Um, in the book of Daniel, it prophesies the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire 500 years before they happen. So wow. to give you an example, if you're reading Shakespeare today and uh-huh. Shakespeare um, in you know one of his plays is talking about the colonization of the Americas by the British and the eventual coming of the Americas back to help Britain fight off the Nazis, you'd be like, wow, there's something hectic. That Shakespeare would know He's that. He's not just an author, he's a prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah, yeah. something else going here. So the Bible has a stamp not only of being in harmony and not having contradictions when, you know, human authors write one book with one theme and they contradict themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, having the stamp of divine authority of, I know what's going to happen in the future. And it, it exactly, we can look back from a historical perspective and say, wow, this happened just as the Bible said it would happen. That's amazing. Mm. So some of these things, then the last thing, how we know it's God's word is there's the self-authenticating witness of the Holy Spirit. So we've got all of these objective things, but the last thing is as we read it, it comes to us as the word of God. You know, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Yeah. But but to those that are called by God, it's it's the life of God, and as we read it, there's this there's this witness of our spirit with God's word. This is this is His, right? Uh, and that would be the, for me, the more important one when it becomes your faith, because you can believe it all academically. I can argue, yeah, round circles showing you how this is the word of God. But until you realize this is the word of God and it has implications for my life, it's, it's pretty meaningless. Mm, I mean, maybe you can help me out. In this instance, right? For instance, I was sitting with uh, with a Muslim friend of mine. Well, not not a friend. It was actually the friend of the friend. 
and um, and he started to get into an argument with me, you know, about about the validity of the Bible, and mm-hmm. he brought up some things. He was sort of like, was sort of like, yeah, but um, but Cain, you know, Adam had two kids, Cain and Abel, but then why did Cain go and marry? Somebody else. So I mean, like, I want you to probably because you probably have an answer for that. That's probably a very famous question that's asked. Yeah, I probably get asked that every week. Every week. Well, <laughs> it's a new week, so go for it. So, well, just one thing to point out is that um, with with that particular faith group, they have the exact same problem because they hold to the same creation account mm. of Cain and Abel. Okay. So that's not really an argument against. Christianity or the Bible, it would then be an argument against every single Abrahamic faith, which would include Islam. Okay, um, but but getting into the actual question, because the Quran does mean like it, it does speak about that as well. Though, exactly. Right? Oh, yes. Okay, yes. so yes. it's kind of contradicting himself. But um, but if you go back to Genesis chapter chapter four and chapter five, it's got the genealogy of of Adam, and it says that Adam and Eve had a whole lot of other children besides Cain, Abel. Um, uh-huh. Right, so there, there's Hope many children listening. besides that, and they lived to up to 900 years old. I think Adam was roughly plus minus 900. So they're having lots of children in a different type of environment, a different world. So a pre-flood world is what we talk about. Which was about. close to a perfect world, right? Just closer to a perfect world, different kind of genetics happening, different effects of the fall. Till after the flood, you start seeing the the um, life expectancy drop dramatically. Yeah. Um, so that most likely would have been other family members that they would have intermarried with when the gene code was cleaner, when there weren't the kind of errors that you'd have today, which would make that a problem. Um, and the Mosaic law was not yet given, which prohibits that, um, yeah. which prohibits interfamily marriage. So that's the one line of reasoning um, that I find quite convincing that gets there. But, you know, there are a couple of others, but I'm going to just share with you that one, which is, well, right there it says they had lots of other children. And... Hebrew narrative doesn't go this happened then this happened then this happened it highlights a certain event and then it'll run back to something else and it'll bring that out so just understanding how the Hebrews told stories yeah. it's not like how we will today X, Y and then Z you know there they would have been like yeah this happened over here and then there's this progression but let's go back to A again yeah mm. so okay before we uh, before we obviously get into uh, get into the Bible because some people also say they'll be like yeah, how can you just read one book? And um, and I get this even even from family members. You should you should try and read other other religious scriptures as well to get a full understanding, so that you're not biased towards towards one. And I'm going to do something quite dangerous. See, I'm going to put the Bible, and I'm going to put the you know like, and I'm going to put the the Quran. Why is it important that Christians should focus on the Bible? Yeah. So. I mean, if you're in if you're in school and you've got a maths textbook, and and somebody comes and says, "Well, this was really great," but if you want a, a fantastic, um, you know, if you want to have an unbiased view of mathematics, then you should also read, uh, you know, some of these nursery rhymes from uh, from somewhere else. <laughs> That's right. You can't say that. But carry my, on. My, my point is that if we have a conviction that the Bible is is God revealed truth, God. and this is what God has inspired, and He says, mm-hmm. "Don't add or take away from it." If He says, um, "In Jude, uh, contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints." Um, then I'm going to focus on that, and that's going to form my authority structure. I'm not an authority structure over the Bible to decide whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. It's an authority structure over me. You know, one other example, if I, if I have to ask you, um, is there is there gold in China? Uh, you don't have to go 
everywhere in China to try and find out if there's gold. You just have to find one piece of gold and you can say, yes, there's gold in China. You don't have to know everything about China. And so in the same way, if I say, is there truth out there? I don't have to go and look at every single belief system and every single thing and discern from that. Is there truth? I just have to go and find, wait, here's truth. And this is what this truth has said regarding itself. Mm-hmm. And that then forms the way that I, my worldview, how I interpret other facts, how I look at other things in the world. So that's how we're going to approach it. We're going to say, this is God says he's revealed it. And then I've got this internal witness that yeah. God has revealed it. It's proven itself mm. so that I can trust what it says about other worldviews and about other um, explanations of reality. I can take it at face value. Mm. Mm. I think for me, what it, what amazes me about this whole thing is how the Bible proves itself again and again. So when I look at the prophecies, for example, you look at Isaiah and you look at what he says about Christ and how it then come to pass. I mean, years later, it, it is amazing because that for me tells me that this is real. This is truth. I think for me, that becomes the central aspect of um, assuring me that this is indeed godly inspired. And that's so true. And I mean, for the fact that it was written over, what, 2,000 years, yeah. 1,500 to 2,000 years, mm. and the fact that it doesn't contradict itself no. in any way, uh, that is no. miraculous. No. It, yeah. it, it could only, you know, it could only be of God. Yeah. Okay, I believe. I believe. Good. What is the story? Is there, an actual, is there an actual theme to the Bible? So, in other words, from the first book of Genesis till the... Till the last, um, till the last chapter of uh, of, of Revelations. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. if there was a theme, an yeah. amazing question. But um, four words: creation, fall, redemption, and restoration is how the whole Bible unfolds. That's pretty much the storyline of the Bible. But but I think people need to get this because this is misunderstood. The Bible is not so much about what we must do to get to God. The Bible is a story about what God has done to get us. Amen. Mm. Uh, and, and, and how you read the Bible, you can read it one of those two ways. You're either going to read it looking for yourself in these pages and saying, how can I be like Daniel? How can I be like David? How can I be like these people? Or you can read it and saying, wow, Daniel and David and all of these guys are showing me. They're pointing towards something. They're pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And the Lord Jesus Christ is here to tell me not what I must do to get God, but to show me that he lived the life I should have lived. Mm. And he died the death that I should have died. That is the theme of the Bible is redemption, individual redemption of, of, of ourselves, but also, and what's unique about Christianity is redemption of the universe yeah, and restoration of the universe. Mm. And you know what? And, and most religions... If not, if not all other religions are um, are about what you need to do to get to God, mm-hmm. you know, including mm-hmm. religious Christianity. Yes, yes. yes. Really, right. I actually like the term religious <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> My goodness, I actually like that. But but I, I totally agree. The Bible is not about us. Uh, about what we should be doing. It mm-hmm. is about what God has done for us. Amen. That is what, um, for me, jumps out of all the pages of the Bible. It's about what God has done to, to, to call us back um, from, from the first Adam to the last Adam, if you want to use that term. So it is really about what God has done, and it is about the story of redemption yeah. and reconciling us back to God himself. Yeah. It is about God coming down yeah. mm-hmm. instead of us trying to go up. No. Because, because we'll never. 
you know the bible says that our sins are like filthy rags to him so it's not our good works yeah yeah our good works <laughs> exactly. yeah like filthy rags so, yeah. my goodness we, we so can never nothing, be righteous there is nothing that we can do mm. you know what i mean i think that's beautiful and that's and, and that's coming from a place of freedom when you open the bible don't look at where you've gone wrong but yeah. look at what god has done and, and just one thing that's unique because we're talking about freedom day yeah. Earlier on, just just to bring that in, why the gospel is unique in this is because if your religious system says that I'm going to do good and like obey the truth, here's the truth, obey the truth. If I obey the truth and mm. by obeying the truth, I get God's favor. When I see other people who are not obeying the truth, I can kind of start feeling better than them. Man, I'm a little bit better. At least I'm a little bit smarter. There's, and then you start alienating yourself from them. And when you alienate yourself from another group of people, you can start thinking the worst things about them because you're not familiar with them. Yeah. And then you can start impinging on their freedoms because they're not obeying the truth. So they don't know what they should be doing. But if the Bible is not about what I must do to get God, but what God has done to get me, and it's completely of God's grace. Mm. So right now, if we're sitting here and we would all admit that if God was perfectly fair with us, he would send us to hell this instant if that was perfect fairness. But he's not. He's also merciful. And it's not because of anything good or attractive in me, but purely because of his kindness Mm. that I can know the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's no way I can look at somebody else and have any kind of pride in me. And I can feel any better than them in any way because it's got nothing to do with how yeah. humble I am or how wise I am or what I've been exposed to, it's, it's purely got to do with God's kindness. And that leads to a true kind of freedom where I'm not going to other people and think, oh, I'm a bit better than you, so I can treat you this way. I'm a little bit more humble yeah. than you. You're so proud. I can treat you this way. It's sort of like, it's sort of like by comparison. Like mm-hmm. we judge ourselves by comparison. And the thing is, you'll always be on the lookout for people who are worse off than you. If you get into a room and you think you're dressed nice, you're going to be on the lookout for people who are dressed, well, not dressed as nice as you are, you know, just to make yourself, yeah. just to make yourself feel better. But you know what? Your goodness, as I said before, is worth nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like to, um, worth nothing Absolutely. to God. Absolutely. It is about His righteousness, not ours. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So now I, okay, I've said it. I want to get into this book and I want to read this book. Where do I start? Do I start in the very beginning? You know, uh, do I start in the middle? Yeah. So, like my suggestion normally for people who are going to start reading the Bible and perhaps unfamiliar with it, or you you've been out of it for a while and you just want to get back in, is to either go to the Gospel of John. John's Gospel is yeah. is a really good kind of look at, especially for when I talk about Gentiles, for people that grow up in all of our cultures that are non-Jewish cultures. Mm-hmm. The book of John is a fantastic book to start getting into things with. So that's in the New Testament, the story of the life of Christ. Either that or the book of Mark. So what's nice about the book of Mark is it's written a bit like an action movie. Mm. So he constantly uses this phrase immediately, immediately. There's this fast pace to the book of Mark. Um, So that might help some people, but I really think the book of John has got this richness that kind of prepares you for whatever else you're going to read, either in the Old or New Testament. So that's a good place to start. Um, and to have a good guide when you're reading through. So really good commentaries. And there's so many reliable commentaries available freely online, like Matthew Henry's commentary. Mm-hmm. So when you get to a book, and man, I'm really stuck with what this says, to pull out a Matthew Henry's commentary and, and have him, not as this is what it means, but as a conversation. Mm-hmm. Matthew so, Henry. Yeah, Matthew Henry can mm-hmm. say, well, this is pretty much how I think this works, and he'll maybe point you to a few other passages in the Bible and say, well, look how John's drawing on this picture from the Old Testament. And mm. then you can start getting tastes for different parts of the Bible. Obviously, they're all, the Bible's written in different literary genres, 
Um, so the, the Gospel of John is a narrative and, and like an epistle is not an epistle is a didactic piece of literature. So it's a teaching and instructive thing as opposed to a narrative. And earlier we were talking about prophecies. If you read Daniel chapter seven through to the end of the book of Daniel, that's what we call apocalyptic literature. So it's a different type of, a different genre of literature. Yeah. So do you think, I'm mean, like, do you think the gospels are pretty, I mean, a pretty important place to start? Yeah. Once you've, uh, I mean, like once you've done John and, and does that form, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's like, so does that form the center of, um, of, 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 of our belief? Um, which comes to my next question. Uh, so it's two questions all in one. Mm-hmm. Um, how should we take the Old Testament, you know, to the New Testament? Is it important to read the Old Testament? Yeah. Because I know some people have read the Old Testament and mm. they totally, you know, they totally, they totally lose track. So. Yeah, you see, if you know, just now we're talking about there's two ways to read the Bible. It's either mainly about you or mainly about God. Yeah. If you're reading the Old Testament and you're thinking this is mainly about me, um, and you're not looking for the pictures of Jesus Christ in it, mm. you're going to give up or you're going to be crushed by guilt, mm. and it's, you're not going to make it through. But when when First Timothy three sixteen says all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's talking about the Old Testament when it says the scriptures. It's including the Old Testament. Paul says, I did not fail to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So all 66 books are breathed out for God and are profitable for instruction, for correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, ready for every good work. So the Old Testament is important. Uh, just as the New Testament is important. Now, some passages of Scripture yeah. are of greater importance because they're teaching something that is um, without which you cannot be saved. And other passages of Scripture are teaching things that just help us to to grow in godliness and, and Christ-likeness. So let me just give you a, a quick example. If you don't understand that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, that's you're either a Christian or not a Christian based on that. But what you believe about how the second coming of Jesus looks, exactly what that build-up looks like, that's not going to damn you. That's going to be a different thing. So obviously a passage like that that talks exactly what that looks like is not going to be as critical. But I can't – in the same breath, I'm I'm scared that someone's listening is going to go away thinking, oh, well, I can ignore those other parts of the Bible. No, if you're a Christian, you've got it. You're accountable to know it. So – Hear the tension. There's these vital things to know. Jesus died and rose again. And then there's these other things that are really important for us. But if you're a, you know, a little old lady somewhere and all you know is John's gospel, Jesus died for me and I must trust in him. Um, and he rose again and he's coming back for me one day. You know God, mm. right? Yeah. You're not, you're not a second grade Christian. Yeah. Right. But if you have those all 66 books, like we do all sitting here and we've got, we're surrounded by God's word all the time and you don't make means to grow in it, you can suffer a lot in your life for that, um, for the want of it, because God's given us this as a guide. Mm. But we can't be like the Pharisees who misuse the Old Testament. See, Jesus never said, oh, well, now ignore the Old Testament. He says the Pharisees' problem was that they twisted it to serve their own ends. They didn't use it lawfully. But if you use the law, the Old Testament lawfully, then it, it's rich and it reveals Christ in beautiful mm. ways and it's important. But I still, you know, like I firmly believe that um, that it is important for you to read the Bible for yourself. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of times when people were were totally misguided uh, in their understanding of the Bible was when they spend a lot of times listening to other people. Now, there are the right people. And there are wrong people who, mm-hmm. you, you know, who, who, um, who present it to you. Mm-hmm. And I found that, you know, I've received so much revelation when I'm actually reading the Bible 
by myself. And it's fine to go and to listen to, to, you know, to anybody speak, but make sure that you go home and that you have your own time in, uh, in, in reading the Bible. Yeah. I think it's absolutely, um, critical that you read the Bible on your own. You, you have to get into the scriptures. You have to, um, uh, ask God to reveal because as you're saying, um, we can listen to all the preachers, mm-hmm. but God will be able to speak to you. There are times when you open the pages of the Bible and you find that you've been reading the scripture 20 times, but this one day it speaks to you in a different way. Yeah. And it speaks to you in a manner that you've never heard anybody else describing it or even interpreting it um, as such, but it speaks to you for a particular purpose. So it is critical that you're able to read mm. scripture on your own. Because that's your time, because that's your time with God. You, you have know? to, you have to. But then someone would say, would say, yeah, but that's what it said. That's what it said for then and for that time. And that doesn't necessarily apply to us now. today. Why is the Bible still relevant for us today? It's probably my last question. Yeah. Well, look, that's a that's a presupposition that someone's imposing on the Bible. So they're coming and they're, they're, they're look. There is a context that has to be bridged. So we need to understand that things are written into a particular context, and context determines meaning um, of a biblical passage. And scripture is used to interpret scripture, but we can't say because we've got certain um, cultural and political movements in the modern era that we're going to rewrite what the scripture says. Because yeah. I want you to think about this. If the Bible is not the product of one particular culture, if it's not just the product of the religious thoughts of any particular culture, but it's actually the product of, of God, then every single person is going to struggle with the Bible at some point. Yeah. Right? Um, a modern kind of libertarian individualistic South Africa is going to struggle with the idea of uh, the Bible's rules regarding um, sexuality, um, but we're really going to love what the Bible says about loving everybody. We're going to, oh, yeah, just love people and forgive. That's great. If you go to the Middle East, they're going to say, well, the stuff about forgiveness, that's crazy. If you live like that, you're going to die. But what it, what this book says about about sexuality, well, it's spot on. It's probably not strict enough. right? So the the fact is that the Bible is going to contradict all of our cultures and all of our perspectives at some point. We have to say, I'm going to submit to what Scripture says. Lord, I'm, I'm in a relationship with you, which means that you're going to disagree with me sometimes. It's not a religion that I'm making up. So we do have to understand what a text says in its culture and then bridge 2,000 years to understand what a word meant then. And, I mean, look, we do that with English, mm. right? Yeah. When you read a Shakespeare play and you read it today, you understand, man, when he's when he's using a certain word, it doesn't mean today what it meant then, Right. And so the same thing, when you read scripture, we've got to say, let me not impose a 21st century meaning of a word onto a word that was written 2,000 years ago. I have to understand it in its original context and then apply it today. But we're not going to try and update the Bible to be in tune with modern views um, as if God needed some updating. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So Zanella, any um any words just like maybe, you know, just encourage people out there to to get their Bibles and, for me, uh, and to start reading. For me, I just think that what I would like to end off with is to say that the word of God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Yeah. And it is critical that we are guided by the word of God. We are entrenched. We we our faith is entrenched in the word of God because it guides us, but also it is 
a compass for our life. If you are a Christian, if you are a born again child of God, the word of God is what you desire to live by. It gives you that guideline. It gives you that compass. It gives you direction on a day to day basis. Mm. You know, and I guess, Tyrell, you know, we could have all the, we could have all the proof out there of, uh, you know, like of how real the Bible is and how much more real it is to our spirit. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be up to you believing that it is. Yeah. Um, I think if, you know, if people are going out there and they're constantly looking for, for reasons, you know, um, to read and uh, to read the Bible and for reasons to believe, you will not necessarily get it because you literally, you have to believe first mm. before everything, yeah. before everything comes. And everyone yeah. starts with belief. Yeah. Every, That's every be single the, worldview in the, every single worldview that exists starts with faith. But yeah. let me just say the Bible says faith comes by hearing and, by and hearing, hearing the, the word, word of God. God. Yeah. So if you want to grow in how can I trust that this is God's word, well spend time in it. And you know, Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, maybe this is a good way for me to end. He, yeah. he said that, um, I don't need to defend a lion. I'll let the lion out of its cage and it'll defend itself. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so the same thing, I'm not going to be here to defend the Bible. I'll mm. let the Bible defend itself. Mm. The lion can handle itself. You know. So if you spend yeah. time with the lion, you'll see, wow, okay, this is legit. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it is a lion. You don't need somebody yeah. else to tell you, well, this is really strong. And, you know, yeah. Exactly. In the same way that I believe about music as well. Absolutely. You, know, you can tell me about... You can tell me about it, you know, like about how great your song is. I'm like, just play it. Mm, just let's play listen. it. Let's hear it, you know. <laughs> that goes to show that, you know, the Bible, the Bible proves itself. It doesn't yeah. need, it doesn't need any proof. Yes. Um, thank you so much, uh, for, for coming through. Susanella came all the way, Bogaza all the way from, uh, from KZN. Thank you. But right now she's working all over. Absolutely. <laughs> all over Africa. <laughs> and to you as well, Tyrell. Thank you so much, man. Oh, you're welcome. For, for coming through this open book and we'll definitely see you guys next week. So make sure that you tune in, uh, from nine to 10 every single Thursday. Otherwise get this on the Cliff Central app. We love you. God bless. This is cliffcentral.com.